0: Welcome to Trinity. We're a church family learning how to follow Jesus in the city of Nottingham. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive.
1: Uh, Today's reading is Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev, Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Thank you, Leek. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, I realize I'm still quite new to the Trinity team. Um, and there's lots of you that I still won't have met yet, so I thought it would be worth reintroducing myself. My name is Anna. Um, I'm an ordained priest. I joined uh, the staff here in early April. Um, and my heart, my kind of burning passion is for university students, and it has been for kind of over a decade now. That's the thing that kind of wakes me up in the morning. And the diocese uh, have kind of asked me, Along with Trinity, to kind of explore and roam around what around the question, what more can be done for students in this city who don't know Jesus, the thousands of students that arrive in Nottingham every year who don't know that they are created and that they're loved. And so, um, I arrived at Trinity, and we're really asking ourselves that question. And particularly, we are starting a relationship with a church um, called All Saints, which is in the Arboretum, and we're exploring with them what Trinity can do at All Saints to reach students. So that's kind of how I'm currently spending my days. That's what gets me up in the morning. That's what I'm praying about. That's what excites me. Um, So that's who I am. In case you're wondering who is this woman in front of you, that is who I am. I also woke up this morning generally... um, thinking about the size of this little stage because I tend to walk around a lot when I preach. And I woke up this morning saying, Anna, don't move too much because you're going to fall off the edge of this stage because it's actually quite small. Anyway, I just want to pose a question to you this morning and that's it, really. Thanks, that's creating more space for me to (laughs) write. Do you ever feel like there are so many difficult and painful things in this world that your heart just can't handle them? And so do you ever just become numb? That's the question that I want you to ask yourself this morning. Do you ever feel like there are so many difficult and painful things in this world that your heart just can't handle them? And so you just become numb. What I want to touch on this morning, what I want to think about with you this morning, is something that God has really been teaching me. Something that God is kind of stirring up in my heart at the moment. And that is, what does it mean to sow with tears? What does it mean for us to have a ministry of tears? Now, let's think about tears for just a minute. Did you know we're the only creatures that shed tears? We are the only animals on the planet that have the ability to shed tears. A recent survey that was done that I read this week, which I quite like, says that men actually cry more than women. Did you know that? On average, apparently, men cry four times a month, whereas women cry three times a month. I don't know where you stand on those averages. But what is going on when we cry? What are tears? What is going on in the inner life that causes us to cry? What are tears expressing? Well, they're expressing a groaning, aren't they? A wordless groan. They're expressing deep-seated longings that we can't put words on. Corrie Russell said this. I really love this definition of tears. We need tears. They are God's gift to us. The gift of tears is the outward sign of the inward revelation of our inability to change anything. They are the manifestation of poverty of spirit. Tears are liquid prayers, they are liquid desperation. Tears articulate the depths of our souls crying out to God. If we think about Hannah in the Bible, Hannah um, was without children. Now in that society to have a child was a thing of pride for a woman, to be able to bear a child was a thing of great pride. To be without children was something of great shame and would have been something that caused Hannah great shame. It's something she would have been tormented over. And it describes in the Old Testament how she weeps before the Lord. How she cries inarticulate groans before God over her deep-seated longings, her unmet desires. In fact, these aren't just kind of like, you know, a little a little shed of tear that lasts a few seconds. In fact, she is weeping and groaning and wailing so much that Eli the priest comes and sees her because thinks, he thinks that she's drunk, comes and checks on her because she's making such a riot, such a raucous, that he thinks that she's drunk. That's the kind of groaning, that's the kind of tears we're talking about. Tears are a sign of love, aren't they? Tears are... The language of love. They say that the more we love, the more we will weep. That tears come alongside loving. I'm sure the people that you have weeped the most over are the people that you love the most. The more that we love, the more that we will weep. (laughs) In the uh, Civil War, wives used to um, bottle their tears. They would uh, kind of cry little tears into tear bottles and send them to their husbands on the front line as a way of saying, I love you. This is my love in a bottle. These are my tears of compassion, my tears of of longing, my tears of kind of being with you, my empathy. Tears are a sign of love. Nehemiah in the Old Testament, he was a cupbearer in the Persian capital, He was away from Jerusalem where he'd been exiled. And some people had returned to Jerusalem. Out of the exile, they returned to Jerusalem. And they've seen the state of the walls in Jerusalem, the ruins of that city. And they come back and they report to Nehemiah what um, Jerusalem looks like, the state that Jerusalem is in. And as he receives the report of this city that he loves, what does he do? Oh, he weeps. He mourns over the state of that city. He says, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and I prayed. This is crying that is lasting for days. Such is his love for Jerusalem. And tears show that we are in tune with the Father's heart. Tears show that we are in tune with the Father's heart because Jesus weeps. Jesus in the gospel weeps often. We know that he wept when his friend Lazarus died. We hear the account of Jesus arriving in Jerusalem and crying over the city as he sees it, saying, Even if you had only known on this day what would bring you peace. And he weeps for that place and for that city. Perhaps we cry because God cries. Perhaps our tears are a connection to the Father's heart. God is a God of tears. We have so misunderstood God, haven't we? This world has so misunderstood God as a God who is absent, as a God who is distant, who is apathetic, kind of like an abstract philosopher, an operating machine. But that is not the God that we see in the Bible. The God of the Bible is a God who weeps. A God that is not stoic or indifferent, but a God who weeps, who is deeply moved by the state of this world. It's been named of God that he's the unmoved mover. That's what some kind of philosophers or theologians have called him in the past, the unmoved mover. I think that's a terrible definition of God. Because he is deeply moved when he looks on the state of this world. His heart is deeply broken by what we experience, by what you experience. He is deeply connected with the brokenness of the human condition. He has chosen to love this world. Which means he has chosen heartbreak over our stubbornness over our brokenness. He weeps over those who are lost. Those who are without his love. That makes God's heart weep. In Lamentations 2, it says this of those who are without God. My eyes fail because of tears. My spirit is greatly troubled. My heart is poured out on the earth because of the destruction of the daughters of my people. My eyes run down with streams of water. That is God speaking about how he feels about his people that are lost without him. That is God's heartache, the depth of his pain. You know, Jeremiah in the Old Testament is known as the weeping prophet. But really, he's just the prophet to a weeping God. The reason that Jeremiah weeps is because he is in touch with the father's heart which is weeping when he looks over this world. He is in tune with the Father's cry. St. Ephraim put it like this, until you have cried, you don't know God. In other words, to put it the other way around, to know God is to cry. To know God's heart is to weep over what we see in creation. God is not numb. Don't know if some of you need to hear that this morning. God is not numb to your tears. In Psalm 39, David cries out, Do not be deaf to my weeping. Do not be deaf to my tears. And then he almost answers his own kind of cry in Psalm 56 when he takes, You, God, have taken account of my wanderings. You put my tears in a bottle. Are they not in your book? God collects our tears. In the Bible, he collects two things, our prayers and he collects our tears. They have not gone unnoticed by God. I don't know. There's just maybe a few people that need to know that this morning, that your tears, your crying, the things that you're weeping over have not gone unnoticed by God. God is not numb to this world. God is deeply moved and affected by our tears. In Luke 7, there's that amazing story, one of my favorite stories in the gospel, of the woman who um, washes her feet with uh, her tears, washes Jesus' feet with her tears. Now, this is not a socially acceptable behavior in any society or culture. Sometimes it's kind of, this story's been understood as, well, that's just what happened in that culture. It's never happened in any culture that anyone washes anyone's feet with their tears this is not normal. And this woman would have lived in sin, which we know what her job would have been based on that. She would have been covered in shame. She would have been an outsider and she's full of tears and she doesn't know where to take them. She doesn't know what to do with her weeping. She asks herself, who's going to receive these tears? Not the Pharisees, not the religious people, the people of the law, they're not gonna accept my tears. I can't go to them. Where shall I go? Jesus. Jesus is the one that will accept my tears. Jesus is the one who will accept my weeping. Do you know how much desperation and courage it must have taken for that woman to break into that dinner party and weep at Jesus' feet? And yet, what does Jesus do? He receives her tears. It says, your tears are welcome here. God receives our tears and he is moved by our tears. He acts according to our tears. There's a great story of Augustine, his mother, called Monica. She was a single mother, a very devout Christian, and she prayed over her children every night. She would lay a hand and pray over them that they would know Christ. In their lives. Now, Augustine grew up to be quite a rebellious son. He became like a drunkard and a womanizer. And he became a very, very good philosopher and learned to argue against his mother's faith. And she weeps. Monica weeps over her son for 15 years, cries prayers of desperation for him. And she goes to the bishop. She says, I don't know what to do about my son. I don't know what to do for my son. And the bishop says this, it cannot be that the son of these tears can be lost. In other words, it cannot be that God will ignore these tears. God cannot be, God will be moved by these tears. He can't not be moved by these tears. And indeed, after 15 years of prayer, Augustine has a radical encounter with Jesus and later becomes a bishop and the father of Western Christianity, and he calls himself the son of tears. In other words, it's because God is moved by his mother's tears that he is born again. He is born out of his mother's tears. In other words, I want to say to you this morning that your tears, God doesn't just receive them. He's moved by them. And history is changed because of them. He allows himself, he allows history to be determined by the things that you cry over. God promises to redeem our tears. That he will turn our tears into a harvest. That's what Psalm 126 says. That if we sow with tears, we will reap a harvest of joy. God promises to use our tears to renew the earth, to grow fruits through the watering of our tears, the fruits of redemption through what we cry over. Our tears become like a fountain. For a better world, he turns our tears into a harvest that can change history. But here's the thing. Don't we just so often just become numb? When we look at the world, and I'm this is me, this is what God is teaching me about at the moment. I have been so overwhelmed at times by the state of the world that my reaction, my heart reaction, has just been to numb out. And to exit in my heart. To just say, do you know what? That's too much to look at. I'm too overwhelmed. I don't, want, I don't want to know. I don't want to engage with that. That's too painful. And so my reaction, and I don't know, maybe you want to join with me in confessing this, has just been to become numb. Habituation is when you just become so accustomed to something over time that you become desensitized. And I want to put to you this morning, perhaps we've become so accustomed to the brokenness and the pain of this world, that we've just become desensitized to it. We've just become desensitized to what's around us. We've got used to things, I think, that Jesus does not want us to get used to. Bonhoeffer puts it like this, we become otherworldly. In other words, we leave this this earth to go to a spiritual earth that just feels nicer. (laughs) and more pleasant. We flee like the horrors of this this earth in order to go somewhere that just feels more peaceful in our hearts and in our minds. Bonhoeffer puts it like this. When life becomes difficult and oppressive, one leaps boldly into the air and soars, relieved and worry-free in the so-called eternal realm. One leapfrogs over the present and scorns the earth. We quickly mount the chariot that descends from the sky with the promise of taking us to a better world on the other side. (sighs) Have you ever been guilty of that? You're just hoping that something will take us away from this earth. When things become too difficult, we just want to go somewhere that's worry-free. Well, Bonhoeffer would say, that makes us disloyal children of the earth. That is not what it is to be a Christian on this world because if God says that he wants to bring his heaven to earth, he's not going to bring his heaven any other place than this earth. He's not going to bring heaven to any other place than the world that we see it as, this broken world that we live on. This is the place of God's reality. This is the place, this broken place, this worldly place is where God wants to bring his kingdom when he wants to see his kingdom break out, he's not talking about any other place than this place. This is the only place that we will see heaven come to earth. And so there's an invitation. And the invitation is to open our hearts to feel what Jesus feels, to allow ourselves to feel as Jesus feels. And it's a really scary journey to go on a journey into the heart of God. Because it's going to be one that's going to be marked by pain, by suffering, and by tears. If we want to allow ourselves, if you want to allow yourself this morning to have your heart broken for what breaks Jesus' heart, then you better allow yourself to be pretty broken. And it is going to be a path that is going to be marked by weeping and by tears. But the invitation this morning is to become fully immersed in the human condition. Till we are weeping for the kingdom of God to come. Till we are desperate to become so fully attached to this world that we are desperate to see God's kingdom come and break out in it. Again, back to our friend Bonhoeffer. Praying for the kingdom to come cannot be done by the one who tears themselves away from the misery of others. We cannot tear ourselves away from the misery of this world. If we want to see this kingdom come, come. He invites us to feel about the world the way that he does. But, and here, here's where the joy comes. Here where the, here's where the good bit comes. We turn those feelings and those tears and that weeping into prayer. We don't just allow it to burden us and sit with us and stay with us in this kind of like until we become just broken messes on the floor. But we turn those feelings of weeping and mourning. In, that's where prayer comes in. That's where intercession comes in. That's where the invitation to intercede comes because the burden of the world is too much for me and you to bear. And so that is where prayer comes in. We love the world too much and we know that we do not have the resources that we need in order to meet the needs of the world. And so that's where intercession comes because we say, my resources have run out. I need your resources. I love people too much to not ask for your resources. This world is too broken to not ask for your resources, God. I don't have what it takes to meet the needs of this world. And this is where I need you and your activity. Intercession is just to invite God's activity into the world. To love the world so much that you want to see God's activity in it. To invite God's intervention into this world. And this is the invitation that you have into this exciting thing called prayer. You get to invite God's action into this world. Because we love the world, we pray for it. Because we want far more for the world than what is in our power to give it, we pray for it. We intercede for it. Interceding is standing between two parties. We stand between heaven and earth. And we get to be co managers with God of what happens on earth. We get to call on heaven's resources. And disperse them into this world. Tyler Staton has a great image for this. He says prayer is like going into God's heavenly vault and grabbing everything that we can fill up with our arms and then dispersing it into the world. Getting to dictate where God's resources go. Getting to go into God's heavenly resources and say, God, I want a little bit of it here. I want a bit of your treasure here, please. We get to, that is the incredible authority that our prayers have. We get to co-manage with God what happens on this earth. And I believe God is waiting for us to stand up and pray like that. To stop praying small prayers. I don't know about you, but my prayer life can be so small because I don't want God to disappoint me. So I keep them small. I keep my prayers small enough that God, um, they have to happen. You know, I can't be let down. And yet the invitation is to pray prayers that co-manage the earth with God. That's the kind of authority God has given you, whether you know it or not. You get to disperse God's heavenly resources in prayer to where it is needed. Karl Barth says, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. You get to push back darkness with your intercessions. That's what's happening when you intercede. You're pushing back the gates of hell. We need to learn to pray like this, I think. If that's what prayer is, I'm up for it. If that's what intercession is, I'm really keen to do more of that. That sounds good to me. Prayer is just when we stop relying on our own resources. And we start using God's resources to change the world. And then we get to have the active experience of restoring creation with God. That's what intercession is, the active experience of restoring creation alongside God. I'm just going to finish with a little story. Um, it's my own story, really. I, so I moved here a few years ago, um, and I, it was a really random call to Nottingham. It came out of nowhere. I'd never been here. I was really kind of surprised. Nottingham wasn't, like, on my radar. And so when God called me, I asked a group of people to kind of pray alongside me and to discern You know, is this what God is calling me to do? So a group of friends were praying for me. And occasionally they'd send me kind of prophetic words. And again and again, the prophetic word that I got was this, Psalm 126 that Luke read. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy. And just again and again, this was the prophetic word that I was getting from everybody. To the point where someone came up and said you know I got a word for you like, I know it's Psalm 126 I know it's about crying and I put my own kind of interpretation on it And I thought okay so what God's saying is as I move to Nottingham there'll be a lot of tears and it'll be hard and I'll cry a lot but over time I will um, reap a harvest and I'll see a harvest from those tears and what I've realized what God has shown me in the last couple of months is that's not what he meant at all all he was as I moved to Nottingham, he was going to show me how to pray with tears, how to sow with tears. Honestly, God has wrecked me for this city. It's got to the point now where I struggle to walk around Nottingham without crying. <laughs> I can't not cry when I look at the state of this city. When I see the brokenness on the streets of this city, I can't not weep. When I talk to people about their experience and their brokenness, I can't not weep. So I'm realizing that that is what God actually intended as I moved to Nottingham, was he wanted to teach me what it is to um, pray with tears in order to see a harvest. And I want to invite you into that with me. If you want to be someone with me that does ministry of tears, if you're okay with that, if you're willing to go on that journey, it's going to be messy and it will feel painful and it will be broken. But I think that's a corporate invitation for this morning, not just for me. I think we as Trinity are being called into a ministry of tears. Um, And so why don't we stand? I'm going to land there. And maybe we can have the band, if that's okay. We're going to go into communion in just a sec, but I don't want to miss this opportunity. And I want to ask you just to close your eyes if you'd uh, feel comfortable. And I want to just um, invite you into a moment where you examine your own heart and the cries of your own heart. What is it that uh, you're weeping over? Who are the people and where are the places that make you weep? And just take a moment to look inside your own heart and to connect with it and to see what's in it and just ask God, what am I crying over? Where are my tears going? It might be as you look inside your heart, you realize it's gone quite numb. And as I'm asking you that question, you're just going, actually, it's not really feeling anything at all. <laughs> you might just want to pray that brave prayer of God connect me with your heart. I don't want to be numb. I don't want to be numb. I want to see what you see. I want to feel what you feel about this place. And just allow your heart to open. To connect. had a real sense this morning as I woke up that um, for some of you Hannah's story is your story and um, that you uh, yeah you've been crying uh, prayers of desperation for a long time and I just felt God wanted you to know just felt God say that your tears are not wasted yeah he's seen your tears He's treasured your tears. He is not numb to your tears. And they will not be wasted for a moment.
2: Receiving at the Lord's table in response to what Anna has been talking about. So keep your hearts open as we go through this now. You might want to take a seat as we as we say these words together. I'm gonna to say the words in white and you guys are in orange. So let us affirm our faith together as we enter into this meal. So do you believe and trust in God the Father. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe and trust in his Son, Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. Third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe and trust in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord is here, his spirit is with us. Lift up your hearts, we lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give thanks and praise. It is indeed right to praise you, Father, Lord of all creation. In your love you made us for yourself. When we turned away you did not reject us, but you came to meet us in your Son. You embraced us as your children and welcomed us to sit and eat with you. In Christ, you shared our life that we might live in him and he in us. He opened his arms of love upon the cross and made for all the perfect sacrifice for sin. On the night he was betrayed at supper with his friends, he took bread and he gave you thanks And he gave it to them, saying, He broke it and he gave it to them, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we do this in remembrance of him. His body is the bread of life. At the end of supper, taking the cup of wine, he gave you thanks and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we do this in remembrance of him. His blood is shed for all. As we proclaim his death and celebrate his rising in glory, send your Holy Spirit that this bread and this wine may be to us the body and blood of your dear Son. As we eat and drink these holy gifts, make us one in Christ our Lord. With your whole church throughout the world, we offer you this sacrifice of praise and lift our voice to join the eternal song of heaven. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Every time we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Blessed are those who are called to his supper. Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and I shall be healed. Amen. Those who are coming to help serve communion please come forward. So we've got four stations up here: one here, one at the back, one over there, and one at the front. And the front is for if you're gluten-free or if you're non alcohol if you want non-alcoholic wine, come to the front to receive that. Um, please just go to your nearest one and queue up. Um, and if you need gluten-free, non-alcoholic, I'm your gal at the front. So we're trying to invite everyone who knows and loves Jesus to receive communion. Um, so if that's you, please go and receive. So let's pray as we receive communion together. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. Much for your sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, for feeding us with the body and the blood of Yours, Jesus. Thank you for that. And just as we close the service now, we will have time to pray afterwards. But I'm just going to pray a prayer of blessing upon you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. Amen. amen. Those who need to go and pick up children, please go and do that. Um, the rest of us, we'd love just to kind of open up this space the front to pray, to pray over some of the things that Anna was talking about today. So if you need to go and pick up children, please go and do that, but we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to meet with us. And it's going to come and share a word as well. So Jesus, we invite your Spirit to meet with us now. Come and be with us, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing, and I pray that you would increase it, Jesus. Increase your presence in this room. Lord, would you open our hearts to receive from you now?
1: Yeah, I just had a picture. um, When Anna was talking about numbness in prayer, I just had a picture of a a woman in the labour ward, and... um, She's asking for, for gas and air and more gas and air. And, and that, that itself is fine, so don't take away from the analogy. I'm saying people shouldn't do that. Um, but what I was, God kind of said about our prayer lives, for some of us there are things that, that really pain us, and he's, he's putting that pain on our hearts and, and kind of in our minds as well to say, look, pray for this. And I think, like, sadly sometimes, I know definitely for me, I've taken that gas and air hit of oh, just another TV episode. I'm just going to, that hurts a bit. I'm just going to watch another episode of TV and then maybe I'll get around to it. I'm going to watch, yeah, some, a feel I'm going to read a book. I'm going to go on social media. You know, all these things are inherently bad in themselves, but sometimes we use them just to put off actually interceding because that's a bit too painful. God, oh, I'm just going to put that, maybe I'll do it tomorrow. I'll get around to it. I could actually do it an early night. God, I'm a bit tired. And I think God is saying the encouragement is, I don't do that. The encouragement is when those things are paining you, that is God saying, come, bring it before me. And actually in him, we, we don't find numbness, but we find peace. And there is such a difference between that, that hit of kind of numbness that the world gives us in some of those things and the peace that is actually from God, peace that surpasses all understanding. And so I think... In this coming week, God just wants to encourage you. If there are times in the week where you're feeling that pain and you just, you're just you reaching for the TV remote, you're reaching for your phone, you're reaching to maybe buy something just to, to prolong that, just turn to him in prayer. And it, it may be that you don't know the words and that's also scary. Like Anna said, just begin with tears. Begin with the deep groans of your heart and he will meet you.
2: Yes, so if that if that is speaking to your heart this morning, please come forward to for prayer. We've got a load of space here. We'd love to pray with people. Anything that has felt like it's been stirring you this morning, around what Anna's been saying, or anything else, we would just love to pray with you today. Um, so please feel free to come on down. We've got a load of people that'd love to pray. And the rest of you have a wonderful, wonderful week.